Friends, what follows is not for the faint of heart. We bring you tales of the paranormal, human wickedness, the curious, and the bizarre. Please, if you continue, proceed with caution and an open mind. We are the Queen City Creeps. Hello and welcome to Queen City Creeps, your new favorite podcast for true crime, paranormal, and all things just a little bit weird. Today, Jennifer is going to kick it off with our most favorite part of the show, the icebreaker question. All right, so the question today is, what would, how would you react if you learned that like, your spouse or a close loved one um, ended up being a murderer? So I'm going to refer to a, one of my favorite quotes from the Mindy Project, actually. If you're a serial killer, I'm not interested. If you're a serial killer who kills other serial killers, I'm very interested. There you go. <laughs> Great show, by the way. Um, I do have slight concern that Tyler would be a really good serial killer. Like, he's too nice, I think, to actually be a serial killer. But is he too nice? You right. know what I mean? So I would be fine with it. I would probably You'd be fine with that? <laughs> Serial killers don't kill people close to them, so it's not like he's going to kill me. And he'd probably only kill bad people. Yeah, they typically kill blonde women, so... <laughs> not their blonde spouses. Plus, let's that's be real. My, maybe that's where, where it starts. Start, no. Though. That's the easiest thing. Because you could tie it back to them. Yeah, Tyler would be true. a really smart serial killer. Maybe you'd be the last one. Then. Well, I'd be or, the last to know. When or you've frustrated him to a point where he's just like, God, any girl looks like Sarah, I'm just going to off him. <laughs> Any girl that looks like Sarah. Not she blames me for this Sarah. brochure on the floor one more time. <laughs> right. Anyone that fits the rough description of Sarah, I'm going to go with. I'm like, going to go murder. Yeah, I mean cool. that's. I that's... could see that just being a being a catalyst more than anything else, being his muse. Yes. Exactly. If I, I've always wanted to be a muse. Mm-hmm. I don't know about a murder muse. But that's fine. Right. I am a little worried though with all of the uh, head trauma that Eliza has had. That maybe she's going to be a serial killer. Eliza being your daughter. Eliza is my yeah. two-year-old daughter. She's got a lot of head trauma. Her head is in the 99th percentile. Her body's in the 51st percentile, so she looks like a lollipop. <laughs> um, and she's just, she has no fear of anything. So she runs into things and falls off of things all the time. Like, I feel like she's always got some sort of bruise on her head. So, I worry. Seems about accurate. I worry. I'm going to keep an eye out for, like, torturing small animals and right. lack of empathy and just general, you know, serial killer traits. So. That was a good thing was. to watch for. Yeah. Yeah. And she yeah. hasn't done anything so far. I mean, she doesn't, like, tear up animals or cut she open small animals. animals. She loves animals. So she'll be fine. She'll, I think she'll be yeah, We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, <laughs> yeah. That's mine. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if one of my loved ones... If I figured out, and they didn't tell me that they were a serial killer, if it came about, let's say, in the news or something, I'd be a little upset. Because, man, we've had this conversation enough times. I think mean, you'd think I'd <laughs> yeah. be cool with it. Like, <laughs> you'd at least come to me and be like, you know what, dude, here's the deal. I, it, there's just something about women that look like my mother, and I can't stand them. <laughs> and I'd be like, dude, I get it. Your mom's a bitch. <laughs> like, maybe we don't kill them. Maybe you just let me know if you do, and we'll figure it out from there. We'll That's... work on this together. Would you help hide the body, dispose of? That would really depend on the circumstances. Yeah. Um, if if it were something like a, a self-defense or something like that, where it... I, I'm telling a little bit too much here, probably, because the Springfield PD are going to get a hold of me if anybody <laughs> ever does this and be like, 
we you you we, said on your podcast, I'm like, oh my god, you listen to my podcast, guys. But, we have listeners in the Springfield PD. They ooh. actually like us. So I say one of them was over here borrowing a microphone earlier. So oh, perfect. Yeah, I got an and that's fine. <laughs> but no, like if it was like a self defense thing, but it would be really hard to prove that it was self defense. Sure, load them up. Let's do this thing. Because hmm. I, I don't want anybody to go to jail for no reason. I mean, well, for a reason that they couldn't help or yeah. whatever. But if it was just killing for the sake of killing because it feels good or whatever, then I'd be sympathetic, but probably not helpful. Okay, what about you, Stockton? What would you do? Well, I would help hide the body no matter what the circumstances were because I'd just be like, oh, this is fun. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what if it was like multiple bodies? What if it was a serial killer and not just one murder? Like if there were just a pile of bodies in their basement, yeah. like, hey, did you ever help me move something real quick? <laughs> You're like, sure, what's up? Like a couch, pool table? What? Oh, my God. Then what? <laughs> like I was like, hey, look, we need to feed these bodies to the hogs or the sharks. Or just burn them all. Okay, sharks are really far away from here. Do you know? <laughs> Do you know where you live? <laughs> I would rent a U-Haul. <laughs> load them up in the bag. Lo- load it up with hogs. Drive it to this guy's house. <laughs> that doesn't look suspicious in the least. Yeah. No, there was a probably a good three or four month stretch. I th- literally thought my daughter was going to kill us in our sleep. <laughs> one time I woke up in the middle of the night and she's bouncing one of these huge balls that you get at like Walmart off my head and I wake up. And then another time my wife wakes up and our daughter has plugged her nose and covered her mouth. <laughs> I guess trying to wake her up. But <laughs> oh, mommy's never gonna that's, wake that's up. That's the opposite of what that does. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I was tell, li- tell everyone how old she is. She's six now, but she was like three at the time. Oh God! <laughs> she was in her room, and there one time, I almost punched her because <laughs> I'm Explain, I'm dead please. asleep. It's super dark in my room, and I wake up, and she I wake up. Just randomly somehow, and I roll over, and she's just staring at me, and I was like, it, "Oh man, I, I almost pooped the bed." Well, after the incident where she tried to murder Shana, you were within your rights to be yeah. like, "No, kid." Yeah, I'm protecting myself. Yeah, this Sorry. isn't going to work for me anymore. Yeah. Oh no. And then I worry about my wife being a serial killer sometimes because <laughs> yesterday she made a comment of where. This coworker that nobody likes that she has, they talked about putting him in a drain and dripping like sulfuric acid on him to dissolve his body and that no one would ever miss him. Is it a plastic drain? Because that's about the only way that would work. I don't know. She didn't get into that much detail. Ask her. I mean, you guys do work opposite schedules, so if she was me a serial killer, you may not know it. <laughs> yeah. That's true. She's like, yeah, I'm going to work, and she could be out there just killing people, and I wouldn't yeah. know. Would you be hurt if she was like killing people with other people and not you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Same. We're in Same. this together. <laughs> we are a team. <laughs> it's like we got married for a reason. <laughs> right. I'm going to go get my vows, but I swear there's something about this in there. <laughs> I feel like I would mostly just be disappointed in the person. I don't know. I like that we're all like down for it. I and Jennifer's like, like uh, I mean, Guys, really? I'm going to take the moral high road here. <laughs> I don't want I don't want them to get in trouble. I don't want but I also think like why are you murdering random people? I mean, I guess if it was just a mur- like if it was like if they deserved it, that sounds bad. Yeah. But if they and deserved that, it, if it's like tell one murder that everyone deserves it. <laughs> right. I You've guess that's what you have something. to tell, <laughs> tell yourself. So the 
Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have watched. I this watched at the all. first yes. episode. Oh my god, it's so funny. It's super campy, but I've watched it all the way through. And spoiler alert, you would know this. Just Didn't by season even two at just it. come out? Yeah, we watched it in like a weekend. Oh man, oh, wow. Tyler and I love it. So it's Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant or whatever. Oliphant. Oliphant. Yeah, just from a Deadwood. Fantastic actor. He's such. It's he's so funny in this because he's he gets to be funny and he's like the really high strung husband that likes to smoke pot a lot and then his wife turns into a zombie. That's not a spoiler. That's literally in the Netflix description. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've seen the trailer. Actually, that it's all happens in the trailer. So yeah. funny. I tried and to get into it, but my wife wouldn't watch it. They so. it, they're just hilarious together. And at one point, they're finally like you know, it, we're running out of options. Murder just seems like the best option for this. And it happens more and more. Like, they're solving their problems using murder. Oh, and it's great. Like, I just love that show so it. much. It's so funny. I'm have to watch it now. So, yeah. That's, All sorry. Right. Promo there for yes. old Netflix. I saw, like, half a season. And then I just stopped for whatever reason. I think I just, you like, did a mini it. binge and then just stopped. It's really campy. And it's, like, yeah. a dark comedy. So... I think it's I the campiness it. that I don't. You don't really like appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jennifer's no. too adult for. I know the show. It's like a light John Waters camp. I she, feel like she's over here reasoning reasoning with a serial killer. Like, why did you do it, man? What, <laughs> what, what was your deal? And then we're just in the background, like Jennifer, help us lift this damn body. Yeah. <laughs> Stop asking so many damn questions and pick up a leg. There's time to talk about this in the truck. <laughs> and the U-Haul that Michael just rented in his name. Let's go with the credit card. <laughs> Full of hogs. <laughs> and sharks with laser beams. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a guy named um, Herr Baumeister. Um, okay, I'm just going to go Best directly. name ever. Yeah. Herbert. No, Herb's a terrible name. So um, Herb was originally from Westfield, Indiana, and was the oldest of four children. By all accounts, he was, a, he was normal. Um, but by his early adolescence, um, he began showing signs of antisocial behavior and inability to judge right from wrong um, and was later diagnosed with schizophrenia and multiple personalities after his father took him um, to the doctor oh, to get wow. him diagno- diagnosed. So how do you lead off with, by all accounts, he was pretty normal and then a laundry <laughs> list of things. I mean, <laughs> yeah. minus these things, he was pretty normal. He well, was I an think, okay dude. I think over was. time they kind of noticed these things. It's not like all of a sudden yeah. he was fucking weird. Right, right. Like, we, just, yeah. we just spanned four years of his life in those two sentences, basically. Right, exactly. Totally normal. Okay, so, and unfortunately, he was never, like, he was never given treatment at all. So he was just diagnosed and just left alone, which is really weird. I don't really know why, Mm -hmm. but maybe it was back in in the day, there wasn't a lot of treatment for it, whatever. What year was this? He was born in 1947. So, yeah, I mean, that was, we were in the era of semi-modern medicine by the time this was happening, but not mental medicine by any means mm-hmm. that was i think they had like mostly like shock therapy and stuff like that so right the entire i mean the entire field of of mental treatment was still in its infancy whenever he was probably being diagnosed with this so True. at that point it was either send him off to live at an institution or keep him at home and hope for the best i would imagine true so that's what they did they kept him home yeah hope for essentially. the best Great choice. Moving on. <laughs> but a childhood friend of his recalled how um, he would enjoy playing with dead animals and um, how he found a dead crow on the way to school and he just put it in his pocket like you do. 
crows are big birds. How big were these pants? I don't know. Maybe it was cargo pants. I don't think they had cargo, they had cargo pants. pants back in the then. Day. It was the 40s or 50s. I don't know. Maybe it was a baby crow. They I were don't painter's know. pants. They had like pockets. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But once he was at school, he left the dead crow on his teacher's desk. What the fuck? It's like, Great what senior is prank. What is this teacher thinking? <laughs> That's, I mean, that's pretty tame compared to what I was expecting was going to happen to this bird, but... Right. Regardless. I mean, that's what we know happened to the bird. But <laughs> during another strange event, he urinated on his teacher's desk and spoke to his friends about being curious about the taste of human urine. Just, He's, that's I mean, completely yeah. normal. Lay on your back, dude. You can figure it out really fast. I, that's, <laughs> that's true. Maybe he wanted to know about other people's urine. Because uh, he's probably done it himself, I'm assuming. I he's mean, so fascinated so by it. this friend probably got interviewed after all this stuff with Herb shook out. He's like, you know, one time he wanted to know what my pee tasted like. <laughs> Who hasn't wondered what pee tasted like right. at one point I mean, in I their life? do I like lives? drinking my own urine? Well, no. <laughs> well, he left no. out the part of the story where he was like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll pee in your mouth. <laughs> because that doesn't paint him in a good light. No. But it's sterile, and I like the taste. <laughs> but he has another instance of peeing on inappropriate things, so that's later on. So we have a serial wizard on our hands. <laughs> yeah, essentially. So in 1965, he attended Indiana University. So he again dealt with being an outcast because of his strange behavior, obviously. And he dropped out in his first semester. Um, pressured by his father, he returned in 1967 to study anatomy, but then dropped out again before the semester was over. That seems like a good choice, anatomy, for a kid that likes study animals. Yeah, I think and his he. dad was into medicine, so I think that's why he kind of steered him towards that path. He's uh, like, I'm so. already good at it, Dad. Well, I'm like, how how weird do you have to be to be ostracized from college? That's... I don't know. That's some experimental it's, weird what is it times. Like? I mean. That's true. And that would be like late 50s, early 60s, right? It was Probably. 65. I had a girl asking yeah. shit on her chest in college, and I still, and she was. Oh no! We graduated. <laughs> what? We graduated at the same time. She got to stick around, so I don't know what the hell this guy did. <laughs> so you just dropped a Cleveland steamer on her chest. I didn't say I did it. I said I was asked to do it. You oh, never okay. said you didn't do it, though. I don't have to say if I did it. Oh God! I'm just saying, old Herb, <laughs> by today's standards, probably not so weird. But maybe in the in '65, he was kind of weird. I don't know. I mean, that's weird for '65. I think shitting on somebody's chest in 65 would be weird, too. I think doing that doing that anytime is weird. <laughs> anyway, so during his short time in college, he met a girl named Julie, who he started dating. Um, and then he actually ended up marrying her um, in 1971, and they had three children together. Hmm. After his short stint in college, um, he was hired at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. So, like, kind of like... The DMV? Yeah. Pretty much the DMV. Um, that place just makes serial killers. So. <laughs> right, exactly. No one enjoys that. But he was quickly labeled as a weirdo, obviously. <laughs> like, that's a weirdo the medical just... term. This guy is a weirdo. <laughs> He's a weirdo at the DMV. That's the <laughs> right. Jesus. So one year he sent a Christmas card to everyone at work um, with a picture of himself with another man, both dressed in holiday drag. Huh. I don't know what holiday drag is. They're dressed like as Essendon Mrs. Claus, Santa? I guess. Maybe. Uh, I don't think there was a sexual component to this. I think it was just, hey, look, it's me and this dude in these lady clothes that might be red and green. Yeah. Huh. That's what okay. I imagine when I hear holiday drag. But <laughs> And then, I mean, back in the early 70s, um, few saw humor in the card. So 
Um, his coworkers soon began began to label him as a closet homosexual and a nutcase. That's what it says. Aww. I know. Sad, but he's kind of weird. I'd love but. to get that Christmas card, personally. <laughs> Let's do a Christmas card like that. I've got a dress. There you go. Stockton, I have a dress that would fit you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> After working at the Bureau for 10 years, despite the poor relationships with his coworkers and them thinking he's really weird. Yeah, but who um, else are they going to hire at the Bureau? No one else wants a yeah, job Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he was recognized for being a go-getter. Um, Good job, dude. That produced results and was promoted to program director. That's awesome. Good job, Herb. Yeah, exactly. Good job, Herbie. But within a year of his promotion, he was terminated after urinating on a letter addressed to the governor of Indiana. Well, fuck, Herb. Good Why? job, Herb. Yeah. Screw it up, Herb. <laughs> he really just likes to this pee time, on Herbie. stuff. You're just playing the game you know how to play, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I like peeing on things. I like to drink pee. I don't care for the governor, so... Anyway, so being unemployed didn't seem to sit well with Herb, and he left um, left him with too much time on his hands. Ew. And unknown to his wife, Julie, he began drinking a lot and hanging out at gay bars. Okay. Um, so in September of 1985, he was charged with a hit-and-run accident while driving drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, six months after that, he was charged with stealing a friend's car and conspiracy to commit theft. But he managed to break free of those charges. So he's had some the troubled some life after. I mean, yeah. he doesn't have a purpose. He has too much time on his hands, all that. So in the meantime, he bounced around at different jobs. And he started working at a thrift shop. And at first, he disliked the job and considered it beneath him. But then he saw that it was a potential moneymaker. So in 1988, um, he borrowed $4,000 from his mom and opened a thrift shop, which they named Save-A-Lot, which it has no correlation to the grocery store. Right. Because I used to have a Save-A-Lot back home, so I don't know if anybody else knows of Save-A-Lot, but... Yeah. Not affiliated. It's a thrift store. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, which, and it grew quickly in popularity, um, and the business was booming, essentially. So since the store was so successful, he decided to open a second store, and within three years, um, essentially the family was rich, and um, they had a very nice lifestyle at that point. So, with that money, they bought their dream home in 1991. It was an 18-acre horse ranch um, called Fox Hollow Farms in an upscale area just outside of Indianapolis. The The home was large, beautiful, million-dollar semi-mansion, which had all the bells and whistles, including yes. a riding stable and an indoor pool with a wet bar. But the only area that Herb seemed to really care about was the pool house. He kept the bar stocked, and he filled the area with copious decor, including mannequins. What the fuck? That he dressed and placed around to give the appearance that, like, a lavish pool party was going no. on. No. Yeah. Mannequins do not make for a lavish pool party. And that's are your only friends. <laughs> yeah. That's so okay. weird. What is this, Home Alone? Are they, like, dancing? Are they rigged up to things? Yeah. In the shower. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like of it at all. Not. He's okay. having lavish pool parties. Leave him alone. It can be that, whatever party in your the man- imagination. The, man- the mannequins are more off-putting to me than him drinking his own urine. Really? Yeah, that's real weird. <laughs> you don't For think he, sure. drinking your pee is weird? Would I rather date someone that has a bunch of mannequins or a guy that occasionally has an interest in drinking pee? Are you going to kiss the guy that drinks pee? Yeah. He brushes his teeth. 
Oh my goodness, you're just actually the. I mean, the Romans brushed their teeth with urine because it's sterile and it cleaned things. Boom! So. Suck it, stack it. Herb and his wife Julie soon began to have troubles in their marriage, and Herb would often yell at her for no reason. They worked at this business um, together, so a lot of times he would yell at her uh, as like just an employee, just like a worker, even though she partly owned the business, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work well. They didn't work well together. Essentially, like you're not working hard enough. The mannequins can never treat me this way. Yeah. <laughs> mannequins never give me any back talk. Don't you sass me, woman. But to get peace, Julie um, and the three kids would stay with Herb's mother at, um, I guess she has a lake condo. Mm-hmm. So she would stay there often. And then Herb would stay behind and run the stores. Or so he told his wife. Oh, Jesus. So maybe he did it sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay. there's partially running the store. There just could be other hijinks that ensue. Right. Yeah, the store's only open from, like, 8 to 5, so yeah. plenty of time. So my next section is entitled, Things Start to Get Weird, <laughs> which I think is actually pretty funny. Oh, really? That it starts not now. not weird yet? Now. It starts now, guys. All right, but anyway, strap in, folks. drinking your peas not weird. <laughs> no. <laughs> In 1994, life took a downwards turn for Herb. Um, His business, which had previously been flourishing, began to fail. Um, This could have been caused by a sudden, vastly superior attitude he began to display towards his employees, like he was better than everyone, that he knew best, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he had a habit of, like, just leaving work and just return later, reeking of booze. Cool. So he would be, you know, gone for a really long time, be drinking, and then come back and just yell at people, essentially. What are you looking at me for? This sounds like a know. boss I had one time. I gotta really? get back to work! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just kidding. So, to make things um, even worse, um, Herb's son, Eric, who was 13 at the time, found a human skull on their property while walking through the woods. What? Yeah. Hmm. So, Eric showed it to his mother, Julie, who asked about the skull to her husband. Herb's answer was that it came from a medical skeleton belonging to his deceased father, which he had acquired um, throughout his long career as an anesthesiologist. Although there were problems at at this time in Herb and Julie's relationship, surprisingly, this was not one of them. (laughs) Where's the rest of the skeleton, Herb? (laughs) But anyway, later when Julie went looking for the remains, they couldn't be located. So, hmm. who knows? Yeah. Right. And, app- and apparently this was not a big enough problem in their relationship to actually sit down and talk about. So, she just went, okay. As- they were bigger yeah. problem. Assuming they had been carried off by a wild animal, she accepted her husband's explanation without giving it a second thought. Hmm. Good choice. Right. So, Okay. What? It just doesn't make sense. Like, oh, it's from my dad. It's like a medical skeleton, blah, blah, blah. Okay, where's the rest of the body? Mama, wild animals. If it's a medical skeleton, why would animals carry off a body? Well, or why is it outside in the first place? Right, yeah. exactly. Why wasn't it, you know, I'm not going to lie. If I somewhere. had a medical skeleton, I might bury it somewhere on my property just to fuck with the people in the future. Well, and at that point in time, a medical... <laughs> At that point in time, a medical skeleton probably was an actual an skeleton actual that had skeleton. been donated for science. I mean, so that's true. Realistically, this was a. I mean, it would have been a real human skull either way. But then again, why is your dad's skeleton in the woods, Herb? I don't understand <laughs> that part. That's like put it in the attic, put it anywhere that isn't in the Keep woods. Keep on the mantle. Where, and- I, I just I'm not wrapping my head around. Hey, let's take dad's old medical skeleton out to the woods 
and leave it there where anybody could find it and be like, wow, that's a fucking skeleton. <laughs> whereas, if you had it in, yeah, whereas if you had it in your house, at least somebody would walk by and be like, oh, that's a fucking skeleton. Your dad must have been a doctor. Like, right. Or a serial killer. Either and or both. Mm-hmm. Why not? True. Anyway, Continue on. Anyway, um, so around the same time that that happened, reports of missing gay men in the area became fi- piling up, and bodies continued to be discovered throughout Indiana and Ohio. So unfortunately, at this time, police did not put much effort into investigating the murders and disappearances of these men. Most investigators um, and members of the community believe that the ones that had simply gone missing um, decided to run off to like a big city where they may be more widely accepted into society. And then they just didn't inform their families. That- and they didn't have any proof as to who it would be or anything like that. So. <sighs> Well, that was just a sign of the times, too. Yeah. Well, they did that with kids, too. I mean, that was like, oh, somebody disappeared. They probably just ran away. It's totally fine. They weren't, like, abducted and murdered. Of course not. Of course not. But then, within weeks of posting the missing persons posters, um, investigators were contacted by Tony Harris. That's actually not his real name, but it was just what he wanted to be called. Um, So it's to remain anonymous, essentially. Mm Mm-hmm. But he said he was certain that he had spent time with the person responsible for his friend's death, or actually disappearance, I should say. Um, He also said that he had gone to the police and the FBI, but they disregarded his information. Um, An investigator set up a meeting, and in a series of interviews that followed, a bizarre story slowly unfolded. Dun-dun-dun! Okay. According to Harris, he was at a gay club when he noticed a man who seemed to be overly captivated by the missing um, persons poster of his friend, um, whose name is Roger. And as he continued to watch the man, there was something in his eyes that convinced him that he knew the person and he knew why he disappeared, why the guy disappeared. Hmm. Exactly. It's a little speculative, but. Yeah. Okay. I knew just something. by the look in his eyes. I see no. something in your eyes. Tells yeah. me murdered my friend. Of course. But to try to learn more, he introduced himself. Um, and then the man said his name was Brian Smart. And that he was a landscaper from Ohio. Um, when Harris tried to bring up um, Roger, his friend that disappeared, um, Smart would become evasive and change the subject. Hmm. So there's I mean, that. But you got to think, like, if you're sitting around trying to pick up on people, you wouldn't want to talk about a missing dude. It's That's true. not like good bar talk. Flirty talk. This is not yeah. turning me on in the Be least. Like, <laughs> okay. As the evening progressed, um, Smart invited Harris to join him for a swim at his house where he said he was tempor- temporarily living. He said he was doing the landscaping for the new owners who were away and that Harris agreed and got into his and got into Smart's Buick which had Ohio plates. Harris nope. was not familiar with northern Indiana, so he was unable to say um, where the house was located. He had no, like, address or anything. Hmm. So Harris went on to describe a large home, which he and Smart um, entered from a side door. Um, he followed Smart through the house and, and out down some steps to the bar and a pool area that had mannequins set up around the pool. Nope, get out of there. Get out. Yes. And then Smart offered Harris a drink, which he turned down. Good thing. Because <laughs> yeah. it's probably Good urine. <laughs> <laughs> so Smart excused himself, and when he returned, he was a lot more talkative. Chatty. So Harris suspected that he had snorted cocaine. 
Like you do. Yeah. You know. It's a pool party. Of course you do. <laughs> of course. In the 80s. With like, mannequins. Uh, what a rush. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, at some point, Smart brought up auto autoerotic Asphyxiation. 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 Sorry. Yeah, Shelby. <laughs> Good job. Um, so that's essentially receiving sexual pleasure by choking or being choked. Yep, it um, is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and he asked Harris to do it to him. Harris went along and choked Smart with a hose while he masturbated. Classy. Yeah. Cool. That sounds like a pool party. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Smart then said it was his turn to do it to Harris. Again, Harris went along, and as Smart um, began choking him, um, it became obvious that he was not going to let go. Harris pretended to pass out, and Smart released the the hose. When Harris opened his eyes, Smart became rattling off and saying he was scared because Harris had passed out. Okay. But really, he thought he was dead. And good, you know, good good to go. Oh, not good to go? <clears throat> or good to go, yeah. Okay, sure. Gotcha. Um, Harris was considered larger than smart, um, which is probably the only reason why he survived. Like he's a bigger dude? Yeah, so okay. he wasn't going to fight him again. Um, but also, he refused drinks earlier in the evening that smart had re- pre- prepared. So it was either they really wanted him to get drunk or he was spiking the drinks. Mm-hmm. So... Smart ended up driving Harris back to Indianapolis, and they agreed to meet again the following week, but Smart Smart never showed up. Because Harris didn't know the area that well and didn't remember the address, investigators couldn't find Smart and um, look into it further. Yeah. However, it was a year later that Harris would actually meet up with Smart again. They happened to show up at the same bar one night, and Harris was able to get uh, Smart's license plate number this time. And actually give it to the police. And after the license plate was ran, it came back with the name Her Baumeister, not Brian Smart. Hmm. So there you go. Shocking. Oh, Herbie's up to no good. Exactly. So police contacted Herb, and then he was told that he was a suspect, and they wanted to search his home, but he obviously refused, as well as his wife, um, Julie. And Herb appeared to go through an emotional breakdown over the next six months. And his um, wife, Julie, had reached her limit at that point. Mm-hmm. The Save-A-Lot stores were failing and she was facing bankruptcy and she was tired of his shit, essentially. Understandably, yeah. But. Get all these mannequins and get out. <laughs> so anyway, she filed for divorce and consented to, um, to a search of the 18-acre estate um, called Fox Hollow Farm. Herb was actually on vacation at the time, so... He didn't think anything of it, obviously, because he didn't know. But during the initial search, um, which actually lasted a few days, law enforcement recovered 5,500 bones, bone Holy fragments, shit. and the teeth from four different victims in the wooded area outside of Fox Hollow, or Fox Hollow Farm. So many of the remains had been concealed behind, like, just piles of leaves and garbage. So he didn't mm-hmm. really, like, hide them really well at all. Yeah. Stupid. Like, I feel like if that was me, I would definitely hide it better than that. I like that you, you would don't... do something. <laughs> like, you're, you're not dumb. Gonna help your spouse hide the bodies, but no. by golly, you will take if care it. If it was me, if I was the serial <laughs> killer, like, I would be smarter than that. I think everybody says that exact phrase, though, whenever they read about serial killers. Like, oh, I would have gotten caught doing something that Maybe stupid, he was just but... really lazy. Maybe or... that's what it was. 
<laughs> Maybe. I mean, I he's, don't know. he's also a drunk, so he gets out there yeah. and he forgets what he's doing. And he's just like, just kick some leaves on him. Like, <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. I'll be okay. <laughs> That'll be all right. Heading back to the store. <laughs> <laughs> but a second search was prompted by the Baumeister's neighbor, who informed police that he discovered skeletal, skeletal remains near a drainage pipe um, separating the two properties. When? Like, like right after. Oh. Like, this was the second surge. Prompted oh. a second surge. Okay. So, um, when the police arrived, they immediately noticed several somewhat intact skeletons protruding Holy from the muddy fuck. ground. 140 more bones, including several intact rib cages and vertebrae, from seven additional bodies um, found in this location. So, in all, 11 bodies were found, but only eight could be identified. Oh, my God. Yes. That's a lot. It is. So once the news of the bones being uncovered and broadcasted everywhere on the news, um, Baumeister actually vanished. It was not until a few days later that his body was discovered inside his car. And in an apparent suicide, Baumeister got or shot himself in the head at a park in Ontario, mm-hmm. Canada. Um, and he actually wrote a three-page suicide note. And he was just talking about like the reasons why he did it. Um, and essentially, he claimed it was due to a failed marriage and problems with the business. So he didn't mention anything about the victims um, all over his backyard. So he was saying he killed himself because of his failing business and failing marriage. Right. Not because he had 11 dead bodies in his backyard. Right. And, and cool. a bunch of real gay feelings deep down inside, I assume, that he was repressing. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I assume might have prompted him to kill 11 people. But. Yikes. But two years after um, Baumeister killed himself... Um, Police connected him to the murders of nine additional men. Between 1980 and 1990, nine men were found murdered in the Indiana and Ohio areas. The victims were all found half-dressed, and the majority died from strangulation. Additionally, all of the nine men were from the Indianapolis area, and most were gay. So it kind of, you know, it goes with his normal victim, essentially. Mm -hmm. So after the discovery of the nine bodies, police began looking for a man that was dubbed the I-70 killer and the Interstate Strangler, as the bodies were found along Interstate 70 between Indianapolis and Columbus, Ohio. But this is a different I-70 killer than the one that shoots women. Correct. Right. So yeah, there's I-70 to travel and kill people. I-70 is a long road. Yeah, it is, in fact. A lot of room for murder. But with two killers on it, I'm not going on I-70 ever again, if at all possible. Right. You don't fit those, the victimology of either of those, though. I could with enough liquor in me. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to a lot of gay bars, too? I've been to several. There gay bars go. are fun, man. I never have to pay for drinks. I love them. There mm-hmm. you go. It's perfect. So after all of this, there's actually some more to the story, which is interesting, because um, I thought that was the end, and then I researched more. There's actually been um, some hauntings that have gone on on um, the Baumeister's land, farm. I guess, farm, yeah. so the Fox farm. Hollow Farm. So here are some of those stories. Um, so while that seemed to be the end of the story, um, it just got fucking weirder so in 2009 um rob and vicky graves purchased fox hollow farm they moved in and soon began um renting out an apartment on the property to a guy named joe leblanc why would you buy the house and like not even that long after this is like what 20 years maybe what did that first one happen? probably got it for real cheap no it was like it was you said the other one happened was in like like 94 yeah and then this is 2009 
So it sat on the market for quite a bit I because no one wanted well, to I'm going to go Amityville rules on this one. It's like, hey, something really bad happened here, but look at the price. Yes. Yeah. And it, that's what they said is that the price was so low and it had been on the market for so long. They just want to get rid of it. You just so. got to sage it out. Exactly. Get all those haunted spirits out of there. Um, so shortly after getting settled in, Vicky spotted a man in a red T-shirt wandering around near the tree line on their new property. Um, so it's close to the spot investigators had um, exhumed many of the Urbanmeister's victims. Um, yeah. So assuming the man had a morbid curiosity with the locations and murders, the new homeowners were prepared to confront the trespasser, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and once she got a better look at the man, Vicky noticed that he had no legs. So he was just floating in the air, as you do. Um, and then after that, he disappeared into thin air. So the two searched the wooded area in the direction he had been. He had last been seen, but then found nothing. So yeah, that's I cool. don't like this. Yeah, he was just coming back to visit his legs. He's <laughs> like, "Where's my legs at? How come I ain't got no legs?" <laughs> he was trying to find them in the pile, even though it's probably all gone. That'd be pretty tough. Yeah, exactly. How would you know? Whenever they're your legs, you just know they're your legs. Right. I don't think is, I could pick my legs question? up in a, in, a, in a lineup of legs. I don't know that I could pick out mine. I probably couldn't. Because it's just a bone. It's not like, what, yeah. you I'm, know, you don't see that. I mean, you drew them like the bottom part of a turkey. I don't know if that's accurate or not. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I have body dysmorphia. Leave me alone. That's, that's true. <laughs> so the Graves installed a security camera following the incident in hopes that they would catch any future trespassers on their property. Um, Joe and his dog Fred later saw the same man with the red t-shirt in the woods. Fred went chasing after the man and Joe ran after him. Eventually Joe came face to face with the trespasser. So Fred went chasing after the man and um, Joe ran after him. Eventually Joe um, came face to face with the trespasser. But as he had done before, he suddenly vanished on another occasion. Fred ran back into the woods and Joe followed behind him. When his dog stopped, Joe noticed something partic- peculiar. A human femur. Like you do. He had no legs! Exactly. He, he, he found his legs. legs! Those are my legs, Joe! No, no, he Fred, found one. Fred found his leg. <laughs> that's valid. And now that's Fred's leg. <laughs> yeah. Fred's going to Fred, bury that leg in the Fred's backyard. Because Fred's a dog. <laughs> dog. So the police were contacted to collect the bone and inform the new owner's email. It may only be the first in a long series of human remains they would discover on their property <laughs> because of obvious Like, reasons. if you guys don't mind, we'll be digging around a little bit. We're going to – I know there's some more dead bodies out here. You might be surprised how many femurs you're going to find over the lifetime of living in this house. What? Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Cool. I, I guess we signed up for this. Uh. So afterwards, the sightings of the man in the red T-shirt ceased, but the activity on the property did not. Because they found his legs. He's like, I'm, I'm. right. So he's done. Like he's <laughs> yeah. found his right. femur. He was like, I can rest in peace. Yeah. Finally, guys, I'm, I'm whole again. <laughs> right. So Joe had been experiencing instances of constant knocking on his door. While the knocking would become growingly intense, no one would answer when he asked who was outside. Um, anytime Joe opened the door, he would find no one was out there. One night when it, um, it, when it began, Joe asked who it was and as always did not receive a response. The knocking grew louder and more violent. Um, when he opened the door, he saw the knocker was hanging straight out as though someone was still holding it. 
What? Yeah. Well, so that's cool. That. Yeah. Why do you not have security cameras on your front door? I don't know. But Joe closed the door, locked it, and waited, hoping it, hoping for it to stop. I feel like Sarah's actually stressed Oops. out about this. <laughs> She's really stressed. I like knew about this story, but didn't know about the hauntings and like the fact that it happened in the '90s and now it's like so active. Yeah. is so crazy to me, and it's so sad and so stressful. Mm-hmm. I'm actually yes, a little anxious about this whole thing. So he noticed the knob twisting, like someone outside was trying to get in the door. So that's cool. The doorknob finally quit turning, um, and then only a moment later, the door burst wide open, sending like wood chips flying into his apartment. The but, fuck? You know why knock? Right. If that was an option in the first place, just blow the door off. <laughs> Maybe he was trying to get in to be saved, and he, then he was like, "Fuck you, let me in here." Mm, I, don't I don't know. know. But anyway, so he went outside to confront whatever the fuck that was. Um, Joe was met at the door framed by a young white male in soaking wet clothing. Um, The man was terrified, screaming, and went running for his life through Joe's apartment, then just vanished. So probably one of, you know, Herb's victims that was just in the pool with him, you know. And then he, like, started fixing the death into him. I don't know about any ancient young white men burial grounds around there so i'd say it's probably one of the people that her murdered <laughs> it'd be safe to assume yes, a safe assumption. right right exactly so the strange events at the property um escalated when so even more so oh, like, this is getting really out of hand. yeah when Jesus. joe invited his friend jeremy to come for a swim at the infamous fox hollow pool um which joe had access to as a tenant so Jeremy, do you pay extra for that? I don't the know. amenities, yes. Yeah, the amenities, obviously. <sighs> Fuck my life. Yeah, okay. it was a nice pool, apparently. I don't know. So Jeremy was a skeptic who wanted to put to rest the rumors of the hauntings uh, in the property. In the water, Joe felt someone touch his back, um, which he claimed um, had been put under the water by an unforeseen force. Um, he felt like he was being choked. And as Herb's victims had been years before in the same pool. Is Herb so dead at this cool. point? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's been gone so for a while. So could Herb be haunting this pool? That's what I was wondering, yes. is if he was haunting his old killing grounds or whatever. That's where he was most at home, I think. Yeah, There's a pool so. house with the mannequins? Exactly. That's his home now. Do the mannequins come with the house? I don't... I, I think they, like, completely renovated whenever... Um, when the new tenants moved in? I, would, I hope so. I would really hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, or are the mannequins possessed? I don't think so. so. I like that you considered that very seriously. Jeremy, who actually witnessed the event, says that Joe was clawing at his throat as though he was being, or he was trying to get someone's um, hands off his neck. Um, so having known um, Joe a very long time, Jeremy is confident that his friend was like actually scared for his life and that someone or something unseen had been trying to cause him harm. So he was then he believes now after witnessing that. Or, so, or at least believes that Joe is experiencing what he's experiencing, whether it's actually a paranormal force or right. The brain doing weird stuff, but yeah, maybe he's just on a lot of drugs. Seizures. <laughs> it's just a seizure. <laughs> yeah, Adult totally. onset seizures. Totally. But, okay, so finally one night Joe heard, like, a metallic scraping noise coming from the kitchen. 
He found a knife laying on the counter, and there were cuts in the wood walls. Um, attempting what he had, like, seen done on, like, you know, paranormal shows and all that stuff, um, Joe turned on um, off anything in the house that could make noise and began to record audio from his computer. So he asked um, who had been hanging out in the kitchen. Um, when he listened back at the recording, he heard a voice say, the married one. And then all of um, Baumeister's victims had been single gay men, so the only one that um, that it could have been was um, Baumeister himself. But so yes, he's haunting. He's for sure haunting. To this day, um, current residents and the visitors to the property have reported unsettling feelings, unexplained noises, and even seeing apparitions um, inside the house and around the grounds. Does the family still live there? Someone still lives there. I don't know if it's the the same people. The same family. Yeah, it could just be someone else at this point. Well, it doesn't really say. Joe was the the renter, correct? Right. Yes. So I'm assuming he left because he had that option. Yeah. Like, that he didn't have to sell his place to go. He could just go. But I just didn't know who who was still. Yeah, it doesn't out really there. say. But apparently, um, there were even there was even an episode of Ghost Adventures. That's the one um, with that guy that has Zach all the affliction Baggins. shirts. Affliction Zach, yeah. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Zach Attack. <laughs> <laughs> but they recorded an episode on Fox Hollow Farm in 2014. Um, the specific episode is season nine, episode nine. If anybody's interested in seeing it, kind of want to watch it just to make fun of it. Apparently, what Stockton actually saw that episode, didn't you? Yeah, I remember seeing something about that, and it's been a while back. Mm-hmm. Oh, in 2014, yeah. at least. What is it? We're in 2018. No, it's been longer than that. <laughs> I, I wasn't living here. I was living in the <laughs> It's fine, guys. I forgot how old I was the other day. <laughs> My wife's like, how old are you? And I was like, carry the one. <laughs> Hold on, let me, let me get these toes out. <laughs> so if anybody's interested, go check that out. I kind of want to see it now, actually. So I might do that. But there was also a documentary movie made in 2011 about the hauntings called The Haunting of Fox Hollow Farm. Um, I looked it up on IMDb, and it only had a score of 3.9 out of 10. So it's probably oh, pretty shitty. <laughs> but, like, I mean, try it anyway. That's, I have to enjoy good. shitty paranormal documentaries. Yeah, that, I think they're great. That scores straight up in my wheelhouse. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. right there. But anyway, there have been actually a few books written about her Baumeister, and one of the best rated ones on Amazon is called The Double Life of a Serial Murderer, The Life of Serial Killer or Baumeister. That sounds kind of redundant. Yes, yeah, kind of. Yeah, the same thing. I thought those two different books for a second. It was like a, there was a colon. Oh, there it, is. That makes sense. <laughs> There's a colon. It helps. Sorry. Anyway, so we can... Punctuation is key. (laughs) But anyway, we can include that link into the book in our notes um, if you'd like to read it. I think it's on Kindle, too, so you don't have to get the physical book. You don't have to be sitting there on the bus. Exactly. Reading your serial killer book, because that's embarrassing. Right. Or an audio book. Is it an audio book? I don't know. Because that's the only kind of books I like. I don't know. It might be on audio book. I don't or remember. Or something with lots of pictures. Read, read, read by the serial killer himself. Yes. So that's what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, Jennifer, thanks for telling us the story. You Good are old welcome. Herb. Herb. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that we talked about tonight, let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or email us at queencitycreeps at gmail.com. 
and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.